It's almost like we're like, time to go to work. Okay, yes. we're at work. Now we're doing our work. Now we say it. And now we, we say, say it, it properly. Right <laughs> I mean, we're kind of mapping to Elia and Adelina. Yes. They kind of had it uh, pretty well together. Oh, there. they do. Yes. Speaking of Adelina and Ilya and team effort, I saw something come in the mail yesterday. Oh, really? What did yeah, you get It's a mail? square box-ish thing, and it says fulfillment services of some kind. Do you remember? No. You don't remember. I remember mm-hmm. because when I brought it in, I was like, ooh, I know what that is. And you're like, what? I was like, that one. She's like, which what? Oh, oh you think? Oh, now I, yeah. And now then I, I was like, we were like yes. going, like going, we were having a tough time connecting on that thing. I don't know where the disconnect was, but eventually, instead of uh, beating around the bush, it's like, I think your book's in there, honey. And it was. And it totally was. Yes. The first copy of. The Earth Files, the second book in the return series, has arrived. <laughs> and we're going to put it out for sale, the first copy ever, for a yep. million dollars. million dollars. A million dollars. So if you're a millionaire or a billionaire or a trillionaire out there and you want the first copy of the book ever written and signed by me, send us a billion dollars and no, we'll mail it to you. A million, not a billion. I don't want to be ridiculous. A million. No, I said a million. Yeah, you said a billion first. No. Yeah, I a heard million. a billion. Well, you heard it, but I said a million. <laughs> and I said, I think if you're a, a millionaire billion. or a billionaire or a, a trillionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is part of, you might think, oh my God, you know, I can't even pay my $8 a month for your subscribe star. So, you know, why are you asking a million dollars for your first copy of your book? And this is part of the manifestation keys. If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. And to me, it's a very special book. It's a very special copy. It's the very, very first time it's seen a physical expression of this book and the stories and this wisdom that's in it. And, um, yeah, if you don't ask, you don't get. So a million dollars or near offers or near offer. <laughs> I will be very happy with two million <laughs> or maybe even a billion, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful copy. We have to review it and see whether, you know, we have to go right through every single page to make sure that it's, um, everything's good and in place. Uh, so, you know, the first copy, it's actually, you know, it's going to be opened <laughs> and looked through, maybe notes on it. And, um, and then the, once we decide that, yep, yeah, the copy, we need to edit it, then will be a second copy. And, or, yeah, it's perfect, then we send it and release it for print, general distribution. So, very exciting, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is it is very exciting, right, exactly. It does make you ask. I know people ask sometimes, like, why, why would you um, care about the money? Or uh, people have resistances around money and uh, paying for things or... All that other stuff. And one of the things that 
really struck with me was when we looked at it, it was like, well, what exactly do you think I'm going to do with money? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to Vegas, hire some prostitutes, or what I said to buy some drugs. <laughs> A few extra Rolls Royces for the, you know. Oh, yeah. Maybe a Rolls Royce for every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. probably what people gold, would think. Gold Rolls yeah. Royces. Well, gold Rolls Royces with gold. Gold trims. Um, trims. Yeah. Not fake gold either. No, no. no. And not gold plated either. Not gold plated. Gold. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are good ideas. Yeah. We'll do those with our money. <laughs> and we don't want the leather seats that came with it. We want different colored leather seats. That yes. Come with it. Yeah. Those kind of yeah. things. That's what we probably would do mm-hmm. with the money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah, we're that type of people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it is a, a relevant thing. I remember looking at things and I got a trigger and I was like, <gasps> and then the resolution for me was, well, what do you think is going to happen with that money? Mm-hmm. That money is being used for X, Y, Z. And uh, <clears throat> so the flow was like, oh, I can put it to work. Mm-hmm. This money. I would be I buying this, I could be mm-hmm. buying that, I could be um, supporting this work in this way. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. It's like a nice way to complete the circle in a sense. It's like co-creating also. Yeah. Yeah. It's like supplying chi, energy, yeah. in support of yeah, the object, the goal, <laughs> the, the doing, right? Yep. Yeah. That was nice for me anyway. Yeah. How about you? You don't have those same things about money, though, huh? Well, I used to. I used to have programs around money. Um, and I still do, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. have programs around money. Um, but it wasn't... It's slightly The difference, I think, that you perceived was that when I was really small, I was really, really small. Yes, you were teensy Yeah, I was teensy And there was a conversation that I heard the adults, and there was fear-based conversation around having food and shelter and enough money for food and shelter. And at the time, it made me afraid for my survival, right? It made me afraid. And I felt Gaia, and it's definitely Gaia, embraced me. And she said to me, Inelia, you don't have to ever, ever, ever worry about survival. Because... Me and the Human Collective will always make sure that you have all your needs met, minimally, right? At the minimum, your needs met. And then, of course, there's the program of you're actually unlimited. And if you don't, if you want to go beyond your needs and start being co-creative with wealth, you can have that too. But I didn't get that when I was little. No. <laughs> I just got the first part. The first part, yeah. And then I was like, I relaxed. You know, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's great. And it happened, you know, during my life. It, it That's exactly what's been happening. And a couple of other times, I remember one specific time when I fell back into it. Mm-hmm. I lived in Ireland, in Dublin. And we were, you know, financially strapped one month. And I fell into that fear again because... My first husband at the time, he he would fall into major fears. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one day, I started falling in for it. <clears throat> and I could feel that energy like a vortex pulling me down into hardship. And then I went, wait, wait, wait. No, no, this is wrong. Because I know this other thing to be true. And as soon as I realized that the other thing was true for me, 
everything resolved itself and allowed the other person to have all their fears and without arguing and without trying to convince them otherwise. They could have them if they wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to. No, I didn't have to. And then everything got resolved and we got everything that covered all our costs and everything. So I was pretty happy about that. So that's the energy I think that you might perceive as not having the same programs as other people. But I did have some programs. Um, I grew up with a strong sense of not having large amounts of money to be the normal. Mm -hmm. That was normalized and having large amounts of money was not the normal. And there were energies around it not being fair. And also energies around, uh, if you have money, then nobody's going to love you. Um, and if you have money, you're an evil person. Oh, nobody's going to love you for you. They'll love you for your money. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah. So you'll never have like a husband that really, truly loves you because they'll just after your money type thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Remember that show that we're watching? Uh, we work one. Oh, yeah, they were kind of has broke. that energy running through it, the whole thread, right? Yeah. It's like, are you really my friend or you're just here for the money? Me for the money or yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, um, there were, there was those programs running. Um, and also that sense of, uh, and sense of, well, if I have, let's say, you know, let's say $500 million, right? To start small. Then this huge weight and responsibility on when and where and with whom will I invest that money? What will I create and co-create with that money? And then that involves bringing people into my field of awareness who are co-creators. And then what type of people do I feel comfortable co-creating with, with that money? Right. So it just gets more and more. Those are the programs. Yeah. And as you know, I don't feel very comfortable in in connecting with other people uh, because it's, most of the time it's actually unpleasant for me. Unpleasant in the sense of painful. Actually, yeah, literally, it, people it's painful. Think, I think they think unpleasant as in... Uh, I don't know, nice people or whatever. Or yeah, it's like, uh, I don't really like people. I don't like this. It's just not that. It's a no. painful, painful. It's literally pain, yeah. And within that connection and pain, um, I, I don't have the martyr energy to fall back on. <laughs> that yeah, that carries it. the rest of us, some of us through. It's like, yes. oh, I'm a martyr. I can take that. Stab me if you want. I'll be here still. Yeah. Cause it's for the greater good and all these type of things. I don't yeah. have that. So I don't have that to fall for, uh, fall, <laughs> for a strong why. <laughs> yeah. For a strong why. In a sense. So it's just painful. And, why is it painful, you might think, right? Do you know, do you have any ideas why it's painful for me to be connected with other people? Um, probably, in my mind, is because uh, people have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And the stuff that is um, dissonant, you feel as a pain. That's your niggle language, of us, in a way, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's a niggle language, but also... If you feel strongly, you feel everything quite strongly, right? Yeah. And if somebody has, for example, an ego crash, they, they release a lot of negative energies, um, 
like anger, sadness, frustration. Yeah, right. Could be jealousy, so all sorts of weird stuff, right? Low frequency energies that get released. So like a little thermonuclear explosion of emotion. Yeah, and because I feel very strongly being a sensitive individual, which, what does that mean? I gather everything is data to me, everything is energy. Mm -hmm. And it hits my physical body, hits my energy body, my emotional body, my mental body, and that causes pain, and sometimes that translates into physical pain, right? So you know those sayings like, oh, that, that thing makes me sick just to look at it or yeah. oh you make me sick or um that is so painful even the this stick sick to my stomach you know or that person's so bitter and all this type of language indicates the physical effect of that type of energy so I'm even even sensitive to adrenaline. I'm <laughs> adrenaline sensitive, so I try to stay away from overexcitement. <laughs> yes, things, you do. You know? It's like, come on, honey, come on, this will be so exciting. It's like, no, 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 wait, no, wait, no, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> just you know, chill. <laughs> uh, so that is um, that's the type of example that I can have, and I've been pretty good at being street smart to avoid certain charge situations but sometimes the street smart hasn't kicked in because i haven't been in a certain situation before mm -hmm. and then boom i get the hit and it's like oh my god i'm sick yeah. and in pain physical pain for days you know so it's like yeah to me that connection part reflects back into the money part because i know that it when i have those trillions of dollars or whatever so i will want to create and co-create with groups and with uh, investing startups and energies that are high frequency individuals and projects and other things so you know i have i do have a little bit of street smarts learning to do before i become comfortable with that amount of investment it's basically wielding that connection and you're operating within that connection in Without a way it that being doesn't cause painful. pain. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be an evolution of people so that they don't bring the pain. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like creating the new paradigm is part of that, part and parcel of that in a way. Mm -hmm. Because I don't expect you should carry a lot of low frequency bundles with you in a high frequency new paradigm mm -hmm. space right yeah or at least if you have um encounters with them then you i mean i don't know what do you think if about that? you have encounters <laughs> it happens every day honey <laughs> in, in this real pre-split yes definitely and during split so i suppose we have to learn how to be responsible in split yeah for our personal energy and how we are um Gosh, it seems like it's complicated. Yeah. That noise in the background, by the way, is the rain. <laughs> yeah. We have little sprinkles. It's Mother's Day today. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Speaking of mothers, that's one of the other connections that, uh, that's a really strong connection with a very wide open pipeline oftentimes, right? Yeah. It's fascinating how we see our mothers, quite honestly. Hmm. Some people have very, very powerful, positive, connections with their mothers yeah. but actually i've never met a person 
who doesn't blame their mother for something or other that goes wrong in their life. Um, <laughs> I haven't, actually. It's quite interesting in that sense. Well, at least um, say they blame their mothers for X, Y, Z. Not blame like it's my mommy's fault, but basically uh, they could say, I'm very, um, um, say, clingy because my mom. Right. So that's like, that is blaming your mom. Yeah. Even though it isn't like <clears throat> yeah. saying, I blame my mom for it. It's like, this is the reason. Is it essentially assigning the blame? Mm-hmm. But they don't say, I, well, mm, sometimes I have heard say, I'm really generous because my mom. Is that still, that's not really blaming, but that's kind of giving credit, right? Occasionally, I mean, usually what I find is like a person would say, I'm a very generous person because I worked on myself. Or I'm a good cook because my mom taught me. No, 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 I haven't heard that one very much. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Mm. Uh, But mostly when people have positive things to say about themselves, it's usually themselves and their work. And when they have, when they have something negative to say about themselves, it's usually their mothers. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, my mom programmed me in this way and that way and whatever. Well, actually, she didn't. Um, your mother would have given you 10 billion programs and you chose the ones which one to integrate. And all the negatives that you integrated, you blame her for. And all the positive ones you integrated, that was That's you. That's you doing that all your you. work. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've seen. Wow. Well. I'm going to say I know for sure that's not universal, but you're probably very correct. That's prominent. And then with guys, I think maybe guys blame their dads. Occasionally, there'll be the dad, yeah, for men and women. And I remember in the beginning, we were talking, at one point, talking about, uh, and this is like 2011-ish, about mothers um, or women... Gosh, being in some way larger, larger in responsibility for the paradigm that exists because they were raising their families this way or something like that. Or they had more responsibility or they could wield this responsibility stronger. Basically. Because they had more time. That was why I think you were working only with women and, or women in specific. I wasn't only working point. with women. I never actually worked only with women. I did ha- join a couple of women's groups to right. work with women, but I wasn't exclusively working with women. Right. I guess incorrectly said, but what I meant was specifically working with women, not exclusively only with women. The but reason in groups that were just women. Yes. So I tried it out. Yeah. Um, and yes, the thought behind it was a teaching that I brought up. I was brought up with, which was mm-hmm. if you change, if you want to change the world, aim at the women because the women are the ones who bring out their children. They're the school teachers. Right. And then they will teach that change to the new generation mm-hmm. and you have a different world. Yeah. So that's that was right. the energy behind it, right? Yeah, that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. How did that, um, did that function well? Did that work out that way? Um, it does function. It definitely works if you want to make a definite change in the world, then you would educate women on how to educate their children or educate children. 
And there obviously there's men who are teachers also, so you aim at those as well. Basically, and maybe it's the role, fathers, yeah. the role in a sense. It's not so much the sex or the gender, but the role. The role. Yeah, but generally speaking, in Western use. societies, the women who look after children and educate children, yeah. uh, the formative years, as a cultural norm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do get men who are full-time dads or teachers of young children, but they're not the norm as such. Right. So that's we're just talking about cultural norms here. But in an ideal world, yes, absolutely, you would aim this education at adults, whether they're old grandparents, parents, or teachers, men and women who interact with children and who teach children. So in an ideal world, that's what you would do. You would educate those people. I've seen... um, I've seen blame attached to the reason the men are uh, so... like... um, bum, for lack of a better word. Their mom didn't raise them right, but that isn't true. Doesn't seem right. No, I raised all my like, four children pretty much the same way. And like they were the all come out all very differently. Different. And I noticed that with my children too, is they they had very similar conditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, some more radical than others, but nothing nothing extreme, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they all they came out well, seems different to me. Mm. Very, think, very different, yeah. Yeah, it seems It seems like the input uh, only supports whatever the child was coming for anyways. Right, right. And then they only use the blame if they need the blame mm-hmm. to excuse something or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So, but I've seen cultures, an entire culture, raised with men, you know, I guess having power over women in a sense, uh, where women haven't got rights and things like that Mm -hmm. and uh all the men that are oppressing all the women were raised by women Mm -hmm. they all had a mom yep and those moms taught them to oppress those moms taught them how to treat other women too Mm -hmm. by their not so much their words and maybe their words but also their example of how they lived right Mm -hmm. i've also heard that that what you do is more than ten thousand words of what you say Mm. in other words what they see you do matters more than what you say exactly yeah that's that's very important it is yeah very important so from that perspective then i know there's a lot there yeah from that perspective how do we move that into the new paradigm (laughs) how we move forward right right because all of it basically was shifting blame for an outcome on someone else Mm -hmm. and um ignoring the children came for what experience and you know geez we even go back to the beginning of the conceiving of the children with what intention and what invitation right Mm -hmm. so how the heck do we get out of the blame part of it (laughs) (laughs) the co-creative blame part of it right well i think a lot of our teachings uh, the teachings that i've put forward have to do with coming out of unconscious programming, which includes blame, mm-hmm. and into conscious awareness of you choosing your programs. 
And then the blame is gone because then you become aware, oh, this is just a program. Okay, I'm just going to release that one. Oh, this is another program. I really like that one. I'm going to integrate that one, right? right. <laughs> it, it makes you think, gives you good thoughts. So I think that hearing you, when you can move to conscious, more conscious of these um, programs and drivers and et cetera, et cetera, as you can look at this situation and uh, remove yourself from the blame. I think that's a common theme also with the near death experience is as soon as they move out of the focus down here up a little bit more expanded, then the blame of each other and everything goes away completely. Mm -hmm. Just responsibility comes in. It's like, yeah. oh, I did that for that experience, and it was a matter-of-fact kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Is that because there's less emotion, no emotional body there, or is it because it's some of the, is there some of the reason for that? Because I was trying to say was when you stop blaming anybody for everything, including yourself, and allow things to be for their orchestrated reason, then there's less projection of your low-frequency energy or whatever it might be to prolong that or energize or fuel that situation. Yeah, I need an example. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit lost in the... In the fog. In that... The uh, narrative. The narrative, yeah. I need an example, a concrete example. So it's Mother's Day, and you've been carrying blame for your mom, for the situation you have in your life or your relationship with her. It's Mother's Day, and you would like to have the idyllic version of Mother's Day, but maybe you don't have that. So how do you get past it? How do you move forward? As a mother or as a child of a mother? I would say, um, start with one, say the child of a mother. You've been blaming your mom this whole time, <laughs> and now it's Mother's Day again, and you wish you had like mm. that Hallmark card version of Mother's Day with flowers and roses and chocolate and tea or whatever it is, whatever mm. it might be. But you don't have that. You yeah. have something completely different. Your mom's right. like low frequency, and she won't listen, maybe, and she's like even jabbing and stuff like that. You know, it's like totally different relationship than the one you wish you had, maybe. Mm. What do you do? Where do you move forward with that? Oh, that's that's a long, complicated question, I think, and answer. <sighs> but one of the things that you can begin with yeah. is to move away from the victim-aggressor cycle and realize that these are experiences. They're just experiences. They're not here to teach you any lessons. They're just experiences. And then make a conscious choice of what experience do I actually want to have or not have, right? And then sometimes... If your mother was, like, really not a very good person for you growing up or even now, release her from the role of mother. Hmm. Okay. Just Ooh, a person a who one. I'm connected with, who gave birth to me, who brought me up, but my idyllic vision of what mother should be is not this, right? And just release it release it um, and basically people sometimes say oh you have to forgive mm -hmm. and then you forgiveness but forgiveness is actually a very negative energy forgiveness goes right into the core of victim aggressor 
agreement. Okay, so it's not, it takes your power away. Um, you were the victim of this person. That's why you need to forgive them. Yeah, exactly. So that gives them even more power over you, right? So you don't want to go there. So it's like, yeah, I've had situations. My parents weren't the best parents in the world. And, you know, some of the things that my experiences, some of my experiences with them were extremely negative. I would say right? extremely even hor horrific. Horrifically negative, right? But I never saw myself as their victim. Never. It was just situations and things that happened. And I had a larger viewpoint or understanding of how the world functions, I suppose. Um, I came in wired to love them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any excuses to love them or not love them. I just, I knew what I wanted to do. I enjoyed loving my parents. So I did. And if they became abusive, whatever's, um, I would step away. And at some point I said, no, no more. That's enough. Right. Right. And the whole dynamic changed. So in a sense, you generated some boundaries, what we call healthy boundaries around oh, yeah, what, absolutely. Our what interactions. was acceptable in your interaction. Exactly. Yeah. And that generated an invitation to engage at a different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An invitation, you know, accepted or unaccepted. It's yeah. your decision whether it's following it or something like that. Right. So my mother accepted that invitation. I mm -hmm. mean, she died many years ago. Um, but for the last four years of her life, you know, she invite, she accepted my invitation to have a high, high frequency experience together. And it was wonderful. It was very wonderful for like four years. My father, however, rejected the invitation mm -hmm. and decided to, I wasn't his daughter anymore. Right. So that was the end of that. <laughs> and I haven't actually had any contact with him for about, I don't know, 16 years or so. So it's, and to me, it's like those both decisions and reactions or responses, they are both acceptable. <laughs> and they're not, they're both acceptable and they're not, um, you know, I'm not like disappointed or kind of glad of either of them because I see them as adults. I see them as the divine eternal beings. I see them as here's your choice, make it, and they make it. And I respect that choice. Well, there's also a social programming running, social programming running about your relationship with your mother and father about how it should be or what it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, on the social programs in some worlds, it's like your parents are for you to support when you grow up. But mm -hmm. for some worlds, your parents are, they're hey, they did you. their job and you're done. <laughs> and in some parts of the world, yeah, their job is to support you forever all until you're until 90 years die. old. <laughs> and then when they die, their job is to give you the money that they saved up for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's very much the in some worlds, the, you know, the role culture. of the children is labor. Yeah. And the role of the, you know, there's so many social programs around this. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting to consider is how many parents have you had? Not you individually, but most uh, incarnated human beings on this planet. Mm -hmm. The majority have been incarnating for, you know, more times than one. Yes. Some of them more times than you would believe and right. some of them you know about the number of times you believe but all of them have one thing in common 
they had parents there too. Right? Yes. So, so they have, they've had hundreds of thousands, even millions of parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And hundreds and thousands and millions of children. Right. 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 So from that perspective, that perspective, how much responsibility is, how much pressure for this relationship is there to your current mom to provide X, Y, Z, all the way to Z times a thousand, mm -hmm. you know, how much in there is That's, required? Yeah, right? like in that example, I had a friend, a lady many, many years ago whose mother, um, who they were very, very close. I mean, they loved each other dearly. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were, they would hang out every Saturday. They would go shopping together, have tea. And, you know, they were very close. Uh, they would call each other every day and everything. And the mother got all, uh, what's that mental thing? Alzheimer's. Is it, Alzheimer's, or? is it? I can't remember. Dementia. Dementia. She got dementia. Uh -huh. And, um, she ended up in a, in a, in a home and care home because she couldn't take care of her mom. Um, and she would come back. Like when I would see her, she would be like devastated every time she went to see her mom. She would see her mom and she would come back and say, I can't stand it. This is so painful. She doesn't recognize me. She doesn't know who I am. And she, she doesn't connect with me anymore. And I've tried everything. I've tried healing modalities. I've went to this healer. They're Brazilian healers and this and this. And nothing changes. And, you know, she's just so needy and she doesn't know who I am. Right? And I looked at her and I said, okay, so you're not missing your mom because she's there. That's the same woman. But you're missing what she gave you. You're missing her role of mother to you mm -hmm. right so why don't you just release the role and love the woman love this person and just enjoy her quirkiness and her fact that she can't recognize you for who you are you can become friends over and over again every week or every day you go visit her you can make a new friend right to see who is this person right now and maybe even during the same visit she'll she'll stop remembering who you are again right <laughs> maybe, yeah. And she kind of sat down with that for a while and she implemented it actually. And, and then, I mean, I didn't have much contact after that with her, but what I remember she, her saying was that there was a huge like weight that lifted. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes when she was with her mother, she would fall back into, I will need you to be my mother. And that need wasn't being met, and she would fall back into that energy of upsetness. Yep. But then she would remember, right? Maybe the next time, or she would remember that time, and she said, wait, 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 I love this person, and I'm exploring a new relationship with her. A new, yeah, a new configuration. A new configuration. I shouldn't use that word, but it's an excellent word. Right? So, that illustrates what is it that we connect with with our mothers and what are we expecting yes. from our mothers and what is it so to me my mother was this woman who i love dearly mm -hmm. and my relationship with her 
you know, was dictated by certain things and expectations from her mostly, because I didn't have any <laughs> expectations. And I, I know that we had a conversation about expectations when you and I got first together, right? Yep. I said, yeah, I don't have any. And you got really upset about that. You better have some. <laughs> you better get some if you don't have any. Yeah. Well, we'll work. Let's work on those expectations because <laughs> I need you to have some, right? Yeah. But it was from that, you know, I was that way wired. That I did not wired. have any expectations. It was always a moment-to-moment thing. And it was always an exploration and newness to it. So, um, and then when I became a mother, I've started looking at what is the role of mother and what do I want to have as an experience of motherhood. Mm-hmm. So I read a ton of books. Yeah. Because I didn't have it in real life. To right? try on a few of them and see what yeah, they are. Because when I was looking at, oh, do I want my kids to have that experience that I had? No, it was around, no, that's not what I want for my kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I started reading books and then mapping to energies and other people to what I felt would be a really good experience, right? And, you know, did my best to model that, you know, to be that role for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of my kids, they saw I perceived it and are grateful. And others, it was like it never happened, you know. It's, it's like all sorts of things. Uh, it's, it's like, where did you get like that ex- from? <laughs> it's almost like the experience they want to have is the one that they have. Yeah, and they remember of <laughs> irrespective of reality, right? Right, or, you know, selective mm-hmm. of selective of that reality yeah so the words they hear are the words that support their well, reality their, request yeah, or their exactly. experience request yeah. in a way yeah. even simple things like um when my children were growing up i was extremely intent on their nutrition and then want them to have good food so they could build really strong bodies for their entire life so i would cook every day and when I went to college and university, I would cook during the weekends. I would cook massive amounts of food and I would freeze them all. So then when we came home, we would just uh, put them in the oven and then we'd all have a nice hot meal that was nutritious and homemade. Right? Mm-hmm. And one of my sons remembers that I never cooked in the house. I was like, wow, where did that come from? Right? <laughs> yes, yeah, it was dad who always cooked. And said, no, it wasn't. He never that did. Was, I, he was hardly over there anyways, but... Yeah, it was like so it was probably bizarre. Probably the one or two times that he did, it was so special that it probably. was like memorable in yeah, a way, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Or maybe he was like, I'm always having to cook and whatever. You know? Oh, it might have been, yeah. But yeah. It, either way, it supported the perception the narrative, of the narrative yeah. that one was saying. I think my dad is my connection yeah. in some way, right? Yeah. It's yeah. connections in a sense. Connections, yeah. So, so con- even the, the, from that perspective, I don't blame my children for not remembering correctly, and I don't blame myself for not doing better for them. My perspective was, what experience of motherhood do I want to have? That's an right? interesting way to say it. Just say that again, because I don't want that to... Yeah, so what what experience of motherhood do I want to have and look back on, right? And that's what I went for. Yeah. And then how they remember it is actually relevant. Because that was, would have been their memory and that's a reality for them anyways. So it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. But what experience of motherhood did I want to have? And I was very excited about it. 
I'm still very excited about it. You know, I had eight pregnancies, but only managed to take four children to full term, right? Mm. And they're still alive. But I had a lot of energy, you know, as a young woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would well, have had... Well, you had four, four kids, an absentee husband, a job full-time, and a university full-time. And I used to empower light workers. And you had a side yeah, job. Yeah. So I had a lot of energy. I would have had 20 kids because mm. I was really excited about the whole motherhood thing, having babies. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. I still love it. So to me, that, that was the experience. Yeah. And so, you know, some children recollect correctly and some children not so much. And that's okay. Because my recollection is to me what defines my experience around being a mother. Mm, good. Yeah. Interesting. Look at it from the same ex aspect. Uh, what experience do I want to have with or with as a child? Does that one work going back up? That's true too, because as a kid, that's exactly how I felt. What experience, how do I want to experience this moment mm -hmm. with my parents? Right. So I remember even with my grandparents, because I remember my grandmother was from a culture and a, 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 a being brought up where individuals didn't have any physical contact because that was sin, mm -hmm. right? And she was from European, uh, Spanish uh, background. And she was like stiff upper lip. She was of the landowner class. And they did not, they hardly ever smiled, but they most certainly never hugged right or gave any type of physical um expression of love to their children mm -hmm. right they didn't do that and they didn't want them to make them soft <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm sure that worked i don't know but anyways <laughs> I know. when she had to look after me as a little kid when i was seven and i lived with her for a year or two anyways i knew what i wanted as a kid I wanted hugs and cuddles all the time mm -hmm. and she was like her entire culture was don't do that right mm -hmm. so I would go up to her and I would hug her she was quite tall so when I would hug her it's like I was hugging her leg you know I was a really small kid right um and she would as we say yeah and she would push me away right it's like mm -hmm. stop that you know we don't do that and um what do you like the stink of my farts and stuff like that right she, was, she would say that <laughs> tried to re make me reject that right right and i would ignore it <laughs> right? i would just carry on and i remember she would sit down to watch the news that was the only time she sat down actually during the day was to knit and watch the news at 6 p.m mm -hmm. and then another one at 10 p.m so the 6 p.m one i knew when she, where she was going to be right so i would run over and jump on her. Because she's not going anywhere. She's not huh? going anywhere. And she's trapped, right? So I would jump on her and hug her and kiss her. And she was continuously pushing me away, right? She's like, no, 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 no. It's like, that's not right. And, you know, <laughs> just stop that. You're a big girl now. You're not a baby. And uh, and all this type of thing. And I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, it didn't stop me for one little bit. 
none. It didn't stop me. And at one point, I remember she was like being grumpy and looking at me very seriously. You know, you really have to stop this nonsense. But there was a tiny little <laughs> in her mouth, like a tiny little smile that you could barely perceive. And that was it. You know, she was she'd lost <laughs> it was the opposite of touch me don't touch me it was don't touch me please touch me yeah, don't touch me please touch exactly, me exactly yeah. yeah and then the magic happened because i remember uh, like i said the 10 o'clock news right but i was supposed to be in bed by nine and asleep by 10 so i went to bed at nine and um and usually i, I actually did fall asleep because it was a full day you know like running around in the country going to school and doing all these things right mm-hmm and uh, one day I was listening in because I was like, why are they listening to the news? What's so important? So I was trying to listen in mm-hmm. to what the news at 10 o'clock was happening. Well, why was it so important to listen to that one, right? Right, totally. And um, so I was struggling to stay awake. And then I hear my grandma come into the bedroom. I thought, oh, no, she's going to find out that I'm awake. So I pretended to be a slave. Mm-hmm. Right? So I closed my eyes and kept really quiet. And she came in. Right. And then she was looking at me. She said, Inelia. <laughs> and I, I thought, no, 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 it's a trick. I'm just, it's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. And then I thought, oh, no, she's going to tell me off because I'm awake, you know. And then she came over, gave me a big kiss on the forehead Aww. and the cheek. And then she, put, you know, like tucked Tip-toed me. Tucked out. Yeah, she tucked me with a blankie, <laughs> gave me a hug and walked away. How and nice. I thought, got her. <laughs> 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 and again, after that, she was lost, and I was trying every night. I would try to not fall <laughs> asleep on. so that you know I could get the experience, you know. But most of the time, I I would just fall asleep. But I knew it was happening, so it's fine. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the things about what experience do you want? You know, as a child, what experience do you want? Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what the adults or the other people are having. You're going to have that experience anyways. Or you're going to feel the way you feel about the person no matter what. It's not dependent on what they do right, or what they say. Yeah, it's a really strange thing, too. I've watched a lot of people. I mean, everyone we see has parents. Yes. And everyone's relationship with their parents is different, mm-hmm. mostly different. And I look mm-hmm. at some of them and like, God, I think that's what I wanted. But look at what's happening because of it. How is this? possible you know what i mean no can you explain well for example example? in a way i was when i was fishing i was wishing that i had um dad who taught me you know where to go how to hook up your boat so it doesn't break etc all the stuff you know Mm -hmm. where to catch fish how to set up your hooks how to and then help fixing your boat and then you know the the knowledge lineage of a lifetime is doing Mm mm-hmm Applied so that you don't have to do it yourself, yeah. every bit of it, and come up with a whole balloons. You know? <laughs> like the thing breaks, and now it's up to me to figure it out. Every mm. bit of it, what's broken, I don't even know, but I gotta figure it out. There's nobody else to figure it out. Right, right. So I always wanted a dad that would show up and say, "Oh yeah, that happened to me too. Here's what it was. This is what let's check yours. Here's how you check it. You know, yeah. sort of like the the assist, I guess. Yeah. And so. uh we know someone whose dad is that, the black boat across the street from us. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, it's not, 
it's not um uh, it's not a healthy relationship <laughs> 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 like oh my god you don't even understand how it is that the dad keeps doing that it's like he's a punching bag you know oh gosh but there's oh, a never-ending fount of help in yeah. all ways always supporting always, always helping supporting, always always helping. fixing yeah and it it didn't and generate at the end, you know, a more. It didn't create what I thought it would. Yeah. It created a different relationship that, you know, that's not the one I have with my dad, but I don't want the other one either. Mm -hmm. And uh, then another, I see another one whose dad is like that, always supportive, and he, he's, they like live next door to each mm -hmm. other. He has the um, fish and chips place now. Oh yeah. His dad just across the creek. And they're helpful and supportive, but I don't see them on the boat all the time. But, you know, you can see there's a different level of support, but also different engagement between them. Is it positive or negative what your perception is? My perception of it is positive, yeah. but uh, at the same time, there's um, exclusion of others because of it. Mm. So it's all inside and tight and nobody else allowed in kind of thing. Right, so you notice right. the manifestation is giant family too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's... Who goes with him, and basically everything is an, a family thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's the same with the other one. Everything is a family. You're a thing. very supportive dad, so. Well, I try to be, but our my kids have like the opposite of wanting you to be wanting supportive. Wanting me to be supportive, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like I got it, Dad. Just go away. We're gonna live our life, and I'll check in with you once a year or two or three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So how, how does that make you feel about yeah with your kids? Well, I try to do what is that I was wanting the relationship with my kids with my dad to see. Maybe that's a way to generate it. Mm. And it seems sometimes it does. So when I give my dad attention, then they give me attention too. Oh, fabulous. That's, that's a weird thing. I yeah, know. it's very weird. Yeah. But if I ignore my dad for a little while, they crickets. Interesting. Yeah. So if I look at the relationship I want to have, part of the thing is is that the relationship I want to have is actually the one that I do have, despite the social program or the uh, I the Pollyanna version of what I think that I want. Uh -huh. I actually don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's part of the realization we've had in the instant manifestation workshop mm -hmm. that the uh, why. Do you want that? Why not? And what do you have? And why do you have what you have? Mm -hmm. Is actually mostly always because that's what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you want to change it, let's look at it and look at why. Yeah. You know. And so, you know, despite evidence or despite the yak 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 part, really the relationship you have is the one you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So if it is the one you wanted, do you want to change it? Mm -hmm. And why do you want to change it? Your relationship with your auntie, that's that's a nice one. But you always had the same one. What? The one where you got hugs and cuddles and kisses. Oh, no, that was my grandma. Your grandma. Yeah, you always had that one. But hers with you maybe grew, right? Or changed. Her perception of, well, I guess hers with you is the same too. What I'm trying to say is that if you want to change it, do you change it? Oh, right. You yeah. didn't change it because yeah. you always had that one. You always had the experience with your grandma that you get lots of love and cuddles and hugs. Yeah, because I wanted it, I got it. 
right? <laughs> but, <laughs> the, but the perception is, I uh, think one of the things that, for example, that I've seen other people in the same situation was different. That, that thing that I've always said is like, my perception was, I want to experience hugging you. And I don't care if you want this hug or not, you're going to get it, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to be in your field of energy and I want to feel the hug, right? Um, that was my perception. And other people would say, no matter how much I tried, that person never hugged me back. Right. Right. And it was like a lack or I want that from them, but they never generated that hug for me and the, or they never uh, hugged me back. And that's where they're stuck on. Right. That person never hugged me back is what they're stuck on. To me, it's, I got my hugs, man. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> and then I figured out that actually she was happy too. Who knew, right? That was perfect. Right. So no no matter what the yakking part about it is, the talking part about it is, or even your metagamed looked at what it was from the outside, theirs was their experience. Mm-hmm. And they had to been complimentary or else they wouldn't exist because why did you want hugs and cuddles and kisses from your grandma because i loved her and i wanted them if she wasn't your grandma would you still have wanted them i don't know i would i don't know if i've been able to get in cont i mean connection. get to know her enough to know or to love her in that way yeah so. somebody else's mother's mother for example you don't run up and jump on their lap oh that's my daddy's that's my dad's uh, mother your dad's mother did yeah, that? Yeah. She jumped on everybody's lap. No, no, hugs. no. That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you don't understand my question. No, because my mother's mother died when, way before I was born. Right. Not your mother's mother's, but... But that's what you said. Someone else's mother's mother. But I meant, okay, somebody else's father's mother. Uh -huh. You don't jump on their lap and want hugs and cuddles from no, them. No, So there is a role, or is that the person... Is I it the role that, of grandma that you wanted hugs no. and cuddles from or the person? No, I think that our relationships, like our parents or our grandparents, the fact that they're our parents or our grandparents gives, an, gives us an opportunity to become close to them because we live together. Right. And we're in the same house and we're related to each other and there's already a, like an energetic bond there. Right. So I think that is what's important. And that's why uh, I would like want to hug and kiss certain people, but most people on the planet I didn't want to. I didn't want to touch or go anywhere near because that was painful. Right, and so with your um, relatives, it wasn't painful. Or um, it was uh, worth the pain, or the pain no, was irrelevant. It wasn't. Or? Most of the time, wasn't as far as I'm concerned, but. I'm sure that I know that, um, I mean, if they were in pain or whatever, yes, it was painful. Um, but if they were trying to hurt me, because there were some family members who went out of their way to hurt me, um, yeah, that was painful. And I, I would cry and run away, right? Right. And then, but then I'd forget about it because the pain was over. And so it was like a constant No suffering loop. for you, lady. Yeah, no suffering. I wouldn't hold on to it. So sometimes that kind of, I had no street smarts. And that was part of the equation of not having street smarts causes you pain sometimes, right? So 
yeah, so, so that would cause a lot of pain because I had no street smarts around it. That's, that, that reminds me that street smarts thing of the man who fell from the sky show we were watching too. Oh, yeah. The man, like the man a, who fell to earth. Yeah, the man who fell to earth. His, the epitome of no street smarts. <laughs> yes. here. Yeah. That's demonstrated so well. I, I saw parallels with you, you know, in the way that you, uh, responded to the world around you when I first met you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you gave me some street smarts, honey. <laughs> yes, well, I don't know if I gave them to you, but maybe uh, we looked at it together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of reactions <laughs> reminded you? Well, you know, it's like... Um, uh, so... Though they're a little bit too personal, I think, to like use as exact examples, but some of them were like, like you, uh, I, I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> okay, it's okay. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't have one that complements what we're talking about. Right, right. So, with regards to connection. With regards to connection, yeah. but th- because they're, they're just not high frequency <laughs> oh got it yeah right yeah yeah and the the perception from looking in just like my perception of other people's connections with their fathers mm-hmm. i'm putting something on there that may or may not exist their experience of it might be completely totally different it's like oh Guaranteed. i get to support my son he he like grumbles about it but he loves it so much <laughs> you know Guaranteed. it's yeah. just his personality he's yeah. grabby yeah. He's crabby because he's under a lot of pressure, and I I put him under a lot of pressure to perform, you know, <laughs> and blah blah blah, whatever, you blah, know. Blah, blah, we don't know the backstory. Yeah. So it's the same with that. It's like from the outside looking in, not so great, but the you just kept going back, going back, going back, and the boundary creation part would be like an example of uh, um, bringing on board some street smarts. Yeah, yeah. You know, the boundary doesn't allow in the low frequency, only. A high frequency agreed engagement. upon engagement. Yeah. I think that might be it. So with our connections, our street smarts are, well, the word we use is a boundary, but the boundary is a boundary is a fence that allows, or we engage with high frequency both ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. So without that reciprocation, that doesn't continue. Right. I think that's enough words to describe and translate what we've been talking about. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Well, speaking of all of that, it's time for our new sit. <gasps> Pure heart sitting. Pure heart sitting. Yeah. Let's go do that. <laughs> okay. I feel complete. Me too. Love you, honey. Love you, darling. And happy Mother's Day. <gasps> thank you very much. You're the best mother ever. Oh, thank you. <laughs>